Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Friday, July 23rd, 2021. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Senior Writer and Weekend Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? So, uh, okay, we got a bunch of news today. It's all over the map. There's just not like one theme. So let's just dive right into it to uh, a, a new movie that actually sounds very interesting. Brad, tell us about the Kaiju score. If you love heist movies and you love giant monsters, you're going to love the Kaiju score because it brings them both together. Uh, it's described as Ocean's Eleven during a, a Godzilla attack. Uh, and it will be about these four criminals who are pulling off a heist while a giant monster is attacking a city. Of course, there's a plan. There's a monster that could end up uh, destroying that plan. There's the uh, threat of the you know the heist not being pulled off and all that jazz, uh, which sounds pretty cool. And this one's coming from uh, Brian Gunn and Mark Gunn, who uh, worked on Brightburn. Um, Mark Gunn is James Gunn's cousin. And Brian Gunn is his brother. So there's a whole talented family of filmmakers from the Guns, apparently. And, uh, yeah, this sounds like it's going to be pretty cool. You know, I, I wonder if, like, there's, like, the next big trend in Hollywood is pulling off heists in a bunch of different genres, you know? Because we just got done uh, with, with Zack Snyder, you know, doing the same thing uh, with, with Army of the Dead. And, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of other ways you can pull off a heist in in other movies. So uh, this one, you know, uh, co-creator and writer James Patrick has said this is like a Quentin Tarantino movie taking place in some corner of a Godzilla movie, which, uh, <laughs> you know, sounds like fun. <laughs> you know, I think the most interesting thing here to me is we've had so many of these monster movies and generally it's like us trying to stop the monster or it's a monster versus a monster and it's not – uh, you know, a different genre inside the monster movie, kind of like how Marvel is playing around with all these different genres. I mean, you did have uh, Cloverfield, the original Cloverfield movie, which was a, you know, found footage teen film uh, of even that was them trying to survive. Right. Um, I don't know. I think there there's something here where there could be some 
some more interesting things being done inside the the context of big kaijus attacking the earth and this is based on a comic book so i'm going to actually put this on my read list to check out because it it definitely does sound interesting uh, but okay, let's uh, let's move on from that to a TV series. This is coming from Netflix, and it's coming from showrunner Sean Ryan, who you know, if if you don't recognize the name, you should. Ben, tell us about it. Yeah, so Sean Ryan is the creator of shows like The Shield and SWAT, and he was a showrunner on uh, a show that I really liked called The Chicago Code that only ran for one season. He was the guy behind Terriers as well. He was the showrunner of that. I think Ted Griffin, who wrote the original, or not the original, but the 2001 uh, Ocean's Eleven created that show. But anyway, uh, Sean Ryan also created The Shield, which is like one of the the sort of premier, you know, late 2000s uh, anti-hero dramas. And he is returning to TV for a new show called The Night Agent, which, and I'll read the quote here, It centers on a low-level FBI agent who works in the basement of the White House. He is tasked with manning a phone that never rings until the night that it does, propelling him into a dangerous conspiracy that leads all the way to the Oval Office. So uh, I like the the hook there. I'm intrigued by that. It sounds like a cool concept. Um, It reminds me a little bit of like... uh, you know, those, those thrillers that like DJ Caruso used to make in like the, you know, 2008 range, like Eagle Eye, like stuff like that, you know? Um, so uh, yeah, I, I feel like this could be a little pulpy, propulsive uh, Netflix show from Sean Ryan. So uh, Seth Gordon, who directed a couple episodes of Sneaky Pete and For All Mankind is going to be directing the first episode of the show. And it's going to be a 10 episode uh, order for at least for the first season. Yeah, I, um, I'm not like a huge fan of Sean Ryan. I tried watching The Shield, couldn't get into it. I know people probably are at home listening to this, like really mad at me at this point. Uh, I think I only gave it a couple episodes. I, I got to go back because some people say that's like one of the best TV shows of all time. And I did like The Chicago Code, but that did not last. No, uh, very long. unfortunately. Yeah, I tried Last Resort. Uh, that was definitely not for me and Timeless and SWAT. I, I give all his stuff a try. I did. I was a big fan of Terriers, which was a show – Ryan Johnson directed a couple of those episodes, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Mad Dogs, which was like one of the first like Amazon original shows. And that was really good, but it only lasted one season. So no, I'm going to check this out for sure. And that is Night Agent. And that's probably coming next year at some point. I would guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, movies are coming back in theaters now. And <laughs> uh, we, we were finally having some choices. If, if you choose to leave your home and go to a movie theater, there's actually some choices now of like what, what to see. Like a few weeks ago, it was like, you know, here's the one movie that came out <laughs> this week. Uh, but uh, one of these choices coming up is Free Guy. This is the, the Fox movie that's now a Disney movie. And we now have the early buzz on that. Brad. Is Free Guy worth seeing? Uh, for the most part, it sounds like yes, it's going to be worth seeing. Um, uh, some of the early reactions that emerged on social media were saying that it's uh, a lot of fun. Um, Ryan Reynolds and Jodie Comer are great together in it. Uh, a lot of great comedy, even for people who aren't like video gamers. Uh, there's not, you know, an overwhelming number of references that they won't understand. It's more of just a you know, the video game concept that, that works in a, a broader way as opposed to referencing specific uh, video games. And yeah, overall, it just seems like it's going to be an enjoyable time uh, at the movies. The, you know, some people are calling it the best video game movie ever. I'm not sure if that entirely works since it's not <laughs> technically a video game movie. It's just about video yeah. games and takes place in a fake video game. 
But uh, yeah, overall seems pretty good. There were only you know a few people who not weren't necessarily super keen on it, but they weren't like you know overtly negative about it either. So it's, uh, it seems like it'll deliver exactly what the the trailers have been teasing. I mean, I do feel like all the best video game movies are movies that are actually not based on video games. That's probably true. Yeah, like the um, you know, like Edge of Tomorrow. I consider that a video game movie, even though probably most people wouldn't. Or, uh, no, that's uh, a that's a weird grab. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> it, it feels like a video game. No, it, oh, I no. mean, it does feel like a video game movie, but like video games aren't necessarily part of the story. So yeah, okay. Uh, Jumanji, uh, Welcome to the Jungle. Is that what it's called? Welcome. Yeah. To, yeah, yeah. No, I was going to say answer the call, but that's Ghostbusters. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what other video game movies that are not video games are good? Ready Player One, I guess. Re- some people no, like debate that on, one. That's not good. <laughs> uh, I I like Ready Player One. I don't think it's like amazing or anything, but I I enjoyed. It. I had a fun time with it. Mm. Yeah, Shut I'm up, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> ben. Yeah, Ben. Are you going to tell Steven Spielberg his movie isn't good? Oh my um, god! I dare you. If you ever meet Steven Spielberg, be like, listen, I didn't really like Ready Player One. <laughs> That's the first thing I say. Not, oh, I loved X. Just, hey, by the way, Ready Player One, not your best. <laughs> you know what? That might lead to like the most interesting conversation with Steven Spielberg. So I'm, I'm assuming everybody just goes up to him and like kisses his feet. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Yeah. So like me, maybe that would actually like put him off guard and be like, oh, wait, what? I mean, <laughs> if he listens to this podcast, reach out to me. Let's do an interview. Let's do it, Stevie. Come on. He'll just he'll just sigh heavily and look down and go, I know. <laughs> are, are either of you guys excited to see Free Guy? Uh, I don't know if I'm excited. I'll, I'll definitely see it. Um, I, I think it'll be, you know, enter- entertaining enough. I'm, but I'm not like, you know, jazzed about heading out to the theater to see it. Yeah, I'm not actively looking forward to it, but I will probably watch it at some point, maybe like six months after it comes out or something, if I'm bored. Is this one of the movies that is going to the premiere access, or is this only in theaters? No, it's only in theaters. Yeah, only in theaters. Yeah, so you're going to have to get your butt out of that seat and actually go to your local multiplex to see this one. So, okay, um, let's move on. Let's talk about David Gordon Green's Exorcist. Like I said, th- this, this episode's all over the map. There's, there's no transition between free guy and David Gordon Green's Exorcist that I could possibly make. So let's just, <laughs> let's just talk about David Gordon Green's Exorcist. You know, there's been some quotes in the past about this movie. Like people are trying to determine what is this? Is this a reboot? Is it a sequel? Is it uh, what David Gordon Green was doing with Halloween where it's a sequel to the original? And now we have, some clarification ben tell us about it yeah in an interview with total film it seems like they asked him if this was going to be a sequel to the original exorcist and he said it's not inaccurate to describe it that way he said uh i like all the exorcist movies and not only do i like them i think they can all fall into the acceptable mythology for what i'm doing it's not like i'm saying pretend that the exorcist 2 never happened that's fine to exist they're all fine to exist and i enjoy all of them so yeah, mm. I'm I'm a little bit confused there. I mean, it sounds like this is going to be a a direct sequel or a a sequel certainly. Pretend the Exorcist 2 never happened. Like if he is not saying that, that means that the Exorcist 2 did happen and that movie I think took place 4 years after the events of the original film. So does this new movie that he's making by definition have to take place within those 4 years on the timeline or 
I don't know. I, I'm I'm still slightly confused here um, about like the the specifics of this, but uh, it's still you know relatively early. But um, yeah, for people who who are very curious about this, uh, I don't know if that helped or just muddied the waters any further. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like and even the the second film is kind of you know leads directly from the first film because it has a father who is investigating the murder of the the father from the first film that was played by Max von Sydow. And so you can't even do that if this is does not discount that story, right? Like how I don't know. I don't, I don't know how you directly lead from that first film into something that doesn't discount the sequels. Yeah, I'm curious to see like what characters like if he's going to bring back characters that appeared there because it sort of seems like you kind of have to if it's a direct sequel to the first one. Although I guess you could just focus on Pazuzu, which is the the demon that inhabits the girl in the first movie, um, and maybe mm. just like it's a Pazuzu movie of what happened <laughs> to the demon right after the events of that first film. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I think once the casting starts happening and once the the um, character list comes out. I think that will help, you know, fill in the, some of the, the gray areas here. Yeah. I'm curious because he did a really good job with Halloween. So I'm, I'm very interested to see what he does with this because I don't even think I saw any of the exorcist sequels because I heard they were so bad. I, I just looked up the, the second one just now. And I think it was like 3.3 on IMDb, which is like really, really, really low rating. Mm. Um, I did want to mention that uh, Halloween Horror Nights is doing their big announcements in Orlando and in uh, Hollywood, where I am. <laughs> and uh, they just announced an exorcist maze was going to be at both of those. Uh, that joins the Haunting of Hell House. Uh, in, in Hollywood, it's going to be Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Exorcist, uh, The Curse of Panera's Box, and The Bride of Frankenstein Lives. And uh, honestly, it sounds like a kind of um, not not uh, not too exciting lineup because a lot of these mazes have already been there before. Like the Curse of Pandora's Box is something that they've that they had a few years or maybe even the last Halloween Horror Nights. Um, Exorcist has been there before. Texas Chainsaw Massacre has been there before. I guess the Haunted New Hill, Hill House is exciting, but it really seems to me that they're like going into the warehouse and they're like, what what props? And stuff do we have oh we have a bunch of um chainsaws we have a bunch of leather face masks let's just do another chain uh, you know texas chainsaw thing again mm-hmm. oh we we have a, a doll that spins her head we'll do another exorcist maze so um i mean i will be there opening day i'm, I'm still excited but it does seem a little underwhelming and uh especially with with uh cases on the rise and la county is requiring masks indoors uh which uh, if you're in a haunted maze and, uh, the, uh, you know, all the scare actors are wearing masks and you're wearing masks and, uh, there's possibly like plexiglass between you that, and them and indicating where they're going to jump out from, it's probably going to make it not as fun, but you know what? I'm just happy to have Halloween this year. Like, you know, I, I'm willing to wear my mask. I, I'm happy to show up. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but, um, yeah, anyways, uh, okay, let's move on from from exorcist to another horror film and this is from jordan peele who of course uh you know has been on a roll ben tell us about nope 
Yes. So we got a, a surprise poster release earlier uh, this week from Jordan Peele, who is making a new movie that's coming coming out um, one year from yesterday. So July 22nd, 2022. And his new movie is called Nope. And it is described as a new terror from the mind of Academy Award winner Jordan Peele. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer, Steven Yeun are in this movie. Um, those are the, the three above the title uh, actors. And it's very mysterious what this movie is about. We had no idea really what uh, his last film, Us, was about uh, until, you know, I think the first trailer came out. So there was a lot of speculation about what that was going to be. And now we're back in that same position with this new movie, Nope. Um, Chris Evangelista wrote an article on SlashFilm.com that I, I encourage everybody to read because it's, it's pretty fun. Uh, he basically is just speculating wildly about what the movie is going to be about based solely on the <laughs> the image in this poster. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Peter, do you, do you have well, any theories here? Well, for those of you who haven't seen this image, you can click to the show notes and, and click to see the poster. But it shows... I, I want to say a, a wide shot. You see the night sky. They're in the middle of it. There's this dark ominous cloud and out from the cloud is one of those strings of flags. Um, yeah. It's like the thing that was attached to the DeLorean in back to the future <laughs> that got struck by lightning. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. That was my first thought. It was just like a, a sequel to back to the future two. It's back to the future 2.5. No, um, because it kind of has that, that feel of, of it being like kind of in, in the sky there. And then underneath it is some mountains and there's, uh, is it a town or, what, what do you make of that? Because it's not quite like that shot from E.T. where you're overlooking into the valley and it's like a suburban town. It mm -hmm. almost looks like it could be a military base or something. Yeah, Chris speculates uh, in one of his um, one of his options here is that the movie might be about a carnival because uh, it, it, it's so brightly lit and the colors are so um, like saturated. There's a lot of reds, a lot of yellows, and it doesn't it, it looks more. To me, anyway, and to Chris, mm -hmm. it looks more brightly lit than just a, you know, a typical suburban town or even a military outpost. To me, it looks too too happy to be a military outpost. Like the the color scheme there is not as um, drab and uninteresting as one that I might associate with just a base on the middle of nowhere. Um, but yeah, that that singular cloud that's hovering over this thing with that uh, with that flag line dripping out of it is. Um, I mean, I don't know. Is, do you think this is about aliens? Do you think this is about like government technology that's like hidden in the cloud that's like spying on someone? I, I mean, the, the possibilities are really endless when you're talking about Jordan Peele. But Brad, do you have any any theories about what this could be about? Well, like uh, if you if you also look at the um, closer at like whatever this dwelling is in the middle of this the valley, there look to be like lights in the air as well, which mm -hmm. I, I don't know if they're like, maybe it could be like alien yeah. spaceships or military, you know, spaceships or something like that. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's weird to see lights that seem to be floating somewhere. Cause they don't look like they belong to like signs or big street lights or anything like that. They appear to be floating. So maybe there's like some kind of, you know, secret alien city situated somewhere. And this is like, <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't know. It's, it's like there are so many possibilities and it's hard to tell anything just from this poster. Are I those mean, lights floating or are they just like, is it a perspective thing where they're further back beyond the the encampment I, I, or whatever? I, I, I kind of took it as they're almost like those those lights you see at like a stadium where mm. they're like up high pointing down. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. The, the way that they are positioned, it looks like they're flying to me, but maybe not. Maybe not. 
<laughs> but guys, we're all missing the thing that's the elephant in the room, the thing that's at the center of this this poster, the cloud. It's about a killer cloud. Well, no? maybe. <laughs> it, it could just be the way a ship cloaks itself. What, what do you think the name of the, the the title of the film could mean? Like, I mean, obviously we see all those, you know, anytime anybody has watched a horror film and like someone's about to go into the house or whatever. And like you think in your head, like, nope, you know, <laughs> like I feel like that, that that was my first thought on one hearing nope. But do you guys have any other thoughts on nope? I mean, to me, it kind of like um, it, it brings to mind the reaction like a visceral reaction that you have when you see you know like a giant <laughs> spider or like something that's really gross and like uh, yeah. that you just refuse to engage with you're just like oh no i'm completely out on this whole situation which maybe indicates like an alien bent like maybe these are just really weird gross looking aliens that just appear and people are like viscerally repulsed by them i don't know peter how the hell are we supposed to know based on just this poster well especially since this i mean it does i also get like a close encounters a third kind vibe from like the way this looks and uh there's also sequences that are apparently filmed in imax and like i don't know of any other horror movies that have filmed in imax it's usually reserved for like big spectacle sci-fi blockbusters so yeah 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 Okay, the my, my last conspiracy theory here. Is there any possibility, because this is Jordan Peele reteaming with Daniel, uh, could this be a, a backdoor get-out sequel? Ooh. Uh, for it is reason, universal, not, too. Yeah, I had not considered that. I just thought it was like a typical sort of uh, actor <laughs> reuniting with a, a director that they worked with before kind of thing. But um, sure, yeah, I guess I guess you could take the, the Chris character from Get Out and just put him in another ridiculous situation. <laughs> um, man, if he goes through a scenario where white people want to inhabit his body and then he also comes across aliens at some point in his life, I just feel bad for that guy. <laughs> I don't know why we're assuming this is aliens. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Why is nobody talking about this lone tree in the uh, field? Okay, no. Okay, I think we should move move on. I think we we we've uh, sucked dry all any observation we could possibly have about this note poster. But if you want to check it out and check out Chris's article where he theorizes, we'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, We have one last story for today. This involves Loki. So if you haven't seen Loki season one. Uh, spoiler alert for Loki season one and I guess what doesn't happen in season one, which I guess it's not a spoiler. I guess it's a spoiler because it doesn't happen. But um, uh, Brad, why don't, you, why don't you give us some insight onto Mobius and Mo- Mobius? Sure. Yeah. This is Owen Wilson's character from Loki. And as we see throughout the series, you know, he has a love of things from the 90s. He drinks uh, Jossa Cola, which was like the, the first official energy drink that Coca-Cola created back in the 90s. He loves jet skis. Um, and one thing, that fa- one thing that fans were hoping to see by the end of the series was to see him, you know, making some kind of uh, drive off into the sunset on a jet ski, you know, finally getting the joy of being able to ride one of those bad boys. Uh, but we didn't get to see it. And that's probably largely because Mobius' story isn't done yet because Loki is getting a second season. And that's kind of the main reason why uh, we didn't really see that kind of resolution and find out more about Mobius. Um, Kate Heron has been making publicity rounds after the finale of Loki last week. And uh, she talked to comicbook.com's Phase Zero podcast. And she explained that there were drafts of the script where we 
got like a glimpse of his family and saw what his life might have been like. But then apparently they decided that they really don't know like what his life is yet or like any that much about uh, his character. And so she said, she goes, I, I think that's exciting, right? Because it gives more road to travel with him. And I think it's more painful when he's going to be deleted him saying, what if I had a family? Because maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I don't know where the writers will take his character. Um, and that's a good point there because, you know, now that we know that Loki is continuing, it gives us more room to, you know, slowly learn more about Mobius and find out what that life might have been like. And uh, so the door is still open, you know, for, for a jet ski moment. Uh, and hopefully we'll <laughs> we'll find out a lot more from him as the, the next season of Loki continues. You know, as we were watching this first season of Loki, a lot of people are speculating that there might be some kind of big twist involving Owen Wilson's character. You know, some people are saying maybe he is a Loki variant in himself. Uh, maybe, I don't know, there was all sorts of theories here. Does this, does this quote from Kate disprove any of that? Because is she kind of like, it seems like they, they, she kind of indicates that they did, they hadn't figured out what it was. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think they probably had some ideas, but they didn't solidify anything, especially once they decided, you know, not to do that on the show. And when they probably figured out that there was going to be a second season, they didn't have to necessarily, you know, give you everything about Mobius that you might need to know to, to flesh him out as a, you know, a three-dimensional character. Um, I feel like the theory about him being a Loki variant is probably (laughs) disproven just by everything that's, that's happening, especially now, you know, what we know about, you know, the other, the other Lokis, I guess, you know, you would assume that he wouldn't necessarily have gotten a job like that in the TVA and uh, yeah. kind of unlike any other Loki we would have seen, you know, he's not very mischievous. <laughs> um, so I, I think that's probably blown out of the water, but uh, you know, n- now everything is even more up in the air because, you know, Loki kind of will probably have to rebuild his relationship with Mobius because as we see at the end of the first season, uh, he, doesn't recognize Loki anymore because now Loki's in a completely different timeline where the TVA hasn't dealt with him before. So now, you know, who knows what we'll learn about Mobius and how difficult it will be for Loki to convince Mobius about what's going on. Yeah. But ben, do you think there's going to be any twist involving where Mobius's backstory? Um, I kind of hope not. I kind of hope that they keep Mobius as just this pure force like Owen Wilson. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a great actor, um, but he's very good at doing his one thing. And I thought he was, he was really great bringing that level of energy into Loki. And I just, I kind of hope that they keep that character, just this, this pure, like fun loving, you know, guy, guy who's like good at his job kind of thing. And, and don't, use him as like the fulcrum of all these twists and story. Like there, there's so much chaos happening around that character. I feel like it might be, um, I don't know, going a little bit too far to, to then, you know, pull some sort of twist involving Mobius, but maybe that's just me. Yeah. I think we all just want that jet ski moment, uh, to be, you know, his final, his final moment in this. I know you guys were talking about the assembled, uh, special yesterday, but one of my favorite parts of that is Tom Hiddleston having to explain to Owen Wilson what the Marvel Cinematic Universe is because he clearly has like no understanding or like he, he just doesn't, I don't know. I guess Owen Wilson hasn't watched any Marvel movies. What, what did you make of that, Brad? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's clear he's probably just there to like, you know, play the role of Mobius and didn't really like <laughs> dig into how all movies are connected. And I mean, you can't blame him necessarily because yeah. it's a whole new arena in the MCU. There's like what, 21, 22 movies that are out there. Oh, now. no, no, I, I'm not making fun of it. It's just funny that like, 
She's yeah, like, but- you realize this thing you did is going to completely affect the MCU. And he's like, what's the MCU? And he's yeah. like, oh, what's the... <laughs> all the Marvel movies and TV shows, like, they're all connected. And he's, and he's, he's like, oh, okay. He's like, wow. more concerned with the Wes Anderson cinematic universe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I highly recommend watching that special if you haven't watched that already. It's on Disney+. Plus. Uh, but you can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at slashfilm.com and please rate and read this podcast and apple podcast tell your friends spread the word and we'll see you tomorrow or on monday